Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for January 8, 2017. This is the year of the rooster. <laughs> this is Koyo Kowalski here. So very, very glad you joined us at the beginning of this year of the rooster, according to the Chinese zodiac animal calendar. Twelve animals to complete one cycle. I was reminded uh, by a friend when we were celebrating New Year's, and yeah, this is the year of the hen, she said. She's uh, obviously an active so-called feminist, (laughs) and, you know, um, some of the other animals, you could see the gender bias when it's year of the cow, a lot of times it's called year of the ox. When it's year of the sheep, I say, oh, it's a year of the ram. Um, with uh, perhaps the powerful or positive male gender term being used. Um, well, you know, I don't want to take too seriously or make or make light of at the same time these um, PC things, the gender uh, pronouns, uh, Ms. and um, he, she, chairperson, humankind instead of mankind. And I think our language, culture, uh, has that kind of bias in it. Also, I know people who are left-handed, they have to put up with bias, um, right versus left-handed. And um, I think I think in French, the word for left is gauche or something like this, where it means spastic <laughs> or your, right, your right-hand man okay? and uh, who sits at the right-hand side of the king things like this. Um, I think that's still being, in a sense, played out and will always be with us in terms of these kind of things. And um, I don't know where uh, any resolution or consequences or anything like that. But anyway, I was reminded of that, these different animals. I was also, (laughs) just in a side note, but I was, talking to some children the other day and telling them I'm just making conversation and hey you know that cultural differences in the sounds that animals make that the sounds that we use to depict animal sounds did you know that in Japanese culture the rooster says koke koko <laughs> Pretty peculiar sound, rather than kakuruluru. And in Japan, the dog says one one instead of wow wow. And cats meow instead of meow, and things like this. Um, well, it makes life interesting. Uh, an announcement I'd like to make is that we have just published. The Brighton Center has published. Um, 
a new book. It's titled Bright Dawn Dharma Glimpses. And uh, all of our lay ministers, when they're students in our program, and even uh, they, uh, part of the curriculum is each weekly session, uh, they take turns every week giving what we call a Dharma glimpse, uh, some kind of teaching that they experience in everyday life. And they share that. Um, they give it orally and they give it write, it, write it up. And then after becoming Bright Dawn Lay ministers, you know, um, they continue this on a, a taking turns, what we call toban. Toban is a word in Japanese that means taking your turn, like, you know, a work schedule, uh, your turn to wash the dishes or something, or your turn to give a Dharma glimpse. They, um, and we have a live Dharma Sunday show, which is this show. And as you know, um, Adrian schedules all of our, um, some of our board members and all of our lay ministers an opportunity, it's on a voluntary basis, to give a Dharma glimpse. Um, and these have been collected. And I think, oh, I don't know. I don't remember the number now, over 100 or so, and put into a book form. And uh, it's a tremendous thing. I think this is a very, it's a tremendous book because when you read about how the teachings come alive in someone's life and the teachings are all around us, and we learn to look with that eye about seeing the teachings all over, you know, every day in all kinds of situations. Uh, that's a very organic Live, <laughs> you know, living dharma, and uh, it's uh, fascinating to to read about uh, <clears throat> these life experiences. So I recommend that book. And speaking of dharma glimpses, I'd like to introduce today's guest to give us a dharma glimpse. This is Ken Kenyo. He lives in Colorado. He was part of our Lay Ministry 7 group. We are on 9 and 10 right now. So over 10 years, our study program has been going on. Ken Kenyo. The Ken is to see the Chinese character for Ken. Uh, is to see kind of a, uh, <laughs> to see means to well Yo of course is the sun the bright dawn thing. and so I give him a Dharma name that it that includes his, his given English name so Ken Kenyo and um, let's hear from him for today's Glimpse. Greetings, Dharma brothers and sisters, and fellow travelers in life. For some time I had been considering the question, what does it mean to have a practice? Sometimes when we speak of religious activity regarding a specific person, we might say, he or she is a practicing Buddhist. But what does that mean? 
Am I a practicing Buddhist? My pondering this question had prepared me for the teaching, and the teaching came unexpectedly, as it often does in life, in a way that I did not anticipate. I had a pleasant afternoon visiting my mother. As we parted, she presented me with a gift. It was a jar of apricot juice. There have been occasions in my life where a teaching of the Dharma happens in an instant with significant insight. This was one of those unexpected occasions. What I held in my hands was no ordinary apricot juice. What made it so special? One could buy apricot juice in the store, but this juice had been lovingly created by my mother. I felt as if she had handed me a precious Dharma teaching. Through study, practice, and mistakes, she had learned the art of taking apricots and making delicious juice. One had to pick the apricots, then prepare them for the process of canning. This required washing, boiling water, removing the skin and the pits, and making the fruit into a liquid. It was then placed into jars and put into a hot water bath. When the temperature was high enough, the jars were carefully lifted and capped with sterilized lids. There they would set until, one by one, they began to pop. The reduction in temperature had created a vacuum to form between the rubber gasket of the lid and the top of the jar. The lid was specially designed to make a popping sound when the jar cooled, creating an airtight vacuum. This popping sound was a sign of success of this seal and the canning process. The apricot juice could then be stored for many years to come without damage. But that wasn't the only reason why this juice was so special. My mother had planted the apricot tree from a seed. The seed was only about two finger joints long. Yet from this seed and my mother's care, it grew into a beautiful tree over two meters high, bearing wonderful, fresh apricots. Each spring it would start its miraculous work, first by repopulating the tree with leaves, then creating a delightful aroma of its blossoms, and finally by bearing its delicious fruit. For many years this tree went through the cycles of blossoming, bearing fruit, then losing its leaves as the cooler weather of fall appeared. When spring came, it would realize its apricot nature and begin its cycle again, successfully fulfilling its role as an apricot tree. From this small seed arose an ecosystem benefiting all who interacted with it. Bees would buzz around its sweet-smelling blossoms, taking its nectar back to their hive to make honey. Birds would find rest, protection, and shade in its branches, and we would enjoy the taste of freshly picked apricots. There were many lessons from this jar of apricot juice that spoke of the teachings of the Dharma and my practice. From the tiny seed grew the great tree, and the great tree bore fruit. Is your Dharma practice bearing fruit? It takes time to grow a tree and to improve our practice. When the tree first starts, it is weak and unable to care for itself. Over time this tree will grow to a point where it is strong and healthy and will bear much fruit. Understanding the Dharma takes time. Life is complicated with its interdependence and subtle hues of choices. The artist must take the technical aspects of her craft and infuse her skill and vision into her artwork. Merging skill with understanding takes time, desire, practice, and mistakes. We must also take time to understand the Dharma 
and its application to our lives. Our desire will encourage us to keep going, even when we experience something we perceive as failure. As we build upon the success of applying Dharma in our lives, we will be able to more consistently manifest its teachings in all that we do, and, as the tree bore its fruit, perhaps we may also help to fulfill the important call of Buddhism to bear the fruit in alleviating the suffering of ourselves and others. The apricot juice taught me many lessons. Some of those follow. Learn the concepts of Buddhism. Growing plants and canning are arts that must be learned. Apply Buddhist concepts through consistent practice. Take your time. Do not rush. Strive for understanding. It is too tempting to want enlightenment to happen quickly. Yet it often takes time to assimilate, understand, and learn from our experience. Wanting things to happen quickly may establish unreasonable expectations, which may lead to disappointment. It took many years of caring for the apricot tree before it began to bear fruit. Review the purpose of your practice. Take corrective action if required. The effectiveness of any practice is magnified with a clear purpose of its objective. Each year the soil of the apricot tree had to be tilled, dead branches and insects removed, and the tree pruned, all with the purpose that it would be in shape to produce fruit one day. Do not view mistakes as failure but as stepping stones of learning. Correct if necessary and move on. Life is a process and hopefully each year we become more skillful in our ability to live it. Practice building desire and commitment to living the Dharma. Don't let the success of today cloud your vision for tomorrow. Tomorrow will have enough of its own challenges. It takes real commitment to exert effort when times are not as challenging. Make the most of this opportunity to practice. Visualizing the end result of the tree bearing fruit gave the motivation to continue on in those years where it did not produce. Be humble and open to opportunities for change. Continued study and research brings new opportunities to improve. My mom had to be vigilant to the messages coming from the apricot tree. Did it need water? Were branches in need of pruning? Were her methods successful in caring for the tree? Your practice will bear fruit in proportion to your intention, right understanding, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. The apricot tree bore fruit only after many years of care and effort. Finally, look back, celebrate your successes, then move on with greater confidence and commitment. Take time to build gratitude for your practice by celebrating your progress. Gratitude and recognition of progress will build confidence and motivation. When I sit down to enjoy this apricot juice, it means so much more to me by personally witnessing the incredible journey each apricot has taken in concert with the skills and knowledge of my mother. Yes, this was a simple jar of apricot juice, but it was so full of so many great Dharma teachings. May your practice pop with personal confirmation, greater understanding, and ability to follow the path of the Dharma. May it be so, Gasho. Thank you very much. I couldn't help thinking as I listened to this Dharma glimpse um, to make the point that how we, uh, part of our 
method in our study program uh, and how anybody um, on a spiritual path can utilize this method uh, in their spiritual practice. This is where we um, use the power of words, uh, naming and labeling and titling um, can be very valuable. We see it in the uh, names of a, a title of a chapter. We see it in, well, even in our own names. You know, if you, the importance of a name, it, it means so much. Particularly if you have some personal experiences with, you know. Um, well, well, let me explain. We used to call it uh, at when people do a reading, and then they said, "Well, what what kind of teaching did you receive from this reading?" And then, can you make a? We used to call it a, a capping phrase or a cold phrase, meaning can you give it some kind of a, a, a name or title? Because this is important because then it gives you an organizing principle. It gives you a term which is um, good for retrieval of associations and memories. Uh, for example, if I look at Ken, Kenyo in the eye and I say, apricot juice. Oh, you know, that means a lot to him. Okay. This is a, a, a nugget phrase for him to be one of the most significant phrases in his spiritual growth path or journey. If it takes off on its own, you can't force it, but supposing it just has some kind of staying power and gets the legs and, and goes all over and continues, um, if we wanted, in a way, we could say, hey, Ken, can you show me your Buddhism, the famous... Uh, thing about can you explain something you know in an elevator <laughs> you know real quick so for him he could say apricot juice and of course nobody that doesn't know what he's talking about well that's okay that's how sometimes the teachings are relevant personally relevant so then he has to he could explain Oh, this is what I mean. Okay. Um, maybe if he becomes a famous teacher, okay. that's the only reason where in the Buddhist literature we find these phrases and stories. It's because these particular phrases got associated with a with a teacher, okay. and he talked about what influenced him, the Dharma, how it expressed himself in his own personal life. And he shared this with his students. And so maybe on his, <laughs> that's how he summarizes his whole Dharma expression, by a particular phrase. And in those kind of cases, we could say the nugget phrase or the 
recapping phrase can be called a turning word. I'd like to introduce that phrase. I learned this studying in Japan. A teacher used this phrase and gave a talk on it. Turning word. In Japanese, it's called kuruma kotoba. Kuruma nowadays means uh, automobile. And kotoba means word. Um, kuruma as a as a vehicle, the main thing about it is it has wheels, and the wheel goes round, or goes around, or turns. So that kind of uh, uh, connotation or meaning was put to the translation of kurumakotoba, turning word. And in this context, it means a word that turns your life around has that kind of impact. Um, so apple juice could be, could be Ken Kenyo's turning word. Okay. Um, and this could be a part of a person's spiritual practice, always uh, encountering, discovering, creating phrases that pop up slogans, mottos, mantras, all kind of things. And the ones that sometimes have the most impact are the ones that are very idiosyncratic, are very personal. Someone that does not know the person's life experiences and so forth wouldn't know what that word implied. But this is the way Dharma expresses itself as relevant to a person's life. And what's your turning word? <laughs> Show me your Buddhism. Um, and it looks like for Bright Dawn and myself, somehow the simple phrase, keep going, has sort of acquired that kind of a status. One never can plan it or force it, like I said. The causes and conditions, somehow, it, you know, it has that effect on people, and they start, and it gets that kind of a status. And uh, you have to, when it happens, you have to go with it. And once you start to go with it, it will yield more and more depth, application, ramifications, associations, subtleties, nuances. Huh? And it's not, for example, keep going is not just perseverance in the face of difficulties. Okay? Of course, it includes that as the most common teaching. Okay? But it means to not rest on your laurels. It means to don't conclude, don't put a period after sentences, so to speak. You got to keep going. Okay. Uh, that's how it is, how life is, how reality is. It's dynamic, it flows. If you want to know what a river is, you can't get a bucket full of it and then look at the bucket full of water and say, oh, this is the river. That's a bucket of water. 
and our desire to, to somehow capture uh, that kind of dynamic reality, there's nothing wrong with labeling and categorizing, conceptualizing a reality. Danger is if we mistake those labels for the very reality that we use them as descriptive terms. They, they could be powerful tools, but don't make the tool become your master. That, otherwise, that's sort of like when you give a young child a hammer, he thinks everything's a nail. Or I remember in uh, uh, data analysis in sciences, uh, if you get a new, new um, statistical, very you know, new tool, then everybody starts to use that tool in inappropriate ways. They think, oh, this is a great tool. Okay. Analysis of variance and you know, so forth, and yield new things. Well, maybe, but you have to check it out. So anyway, I think it behooves us to, as a as a nice tool in spiritual growth, is to have our inner teacher always be asking us, "Hey, what's your turning word? What's your, you know, show me your Buddhism." Okay? We should always be able to do that. Okay? Um, right now, beginner. Accomplished student, whatever, doesn't matter. What is it right now? It doesn't mean that that has to be it for all time. Okay. Uh, and that's another, you know, perfectionist or overgeneralization kind of a fault that we humans uh, have to be aware of. Well, <laughs> that's all for today's broadcast. Till next time. Hey. Keep going, and you have a wonderful day.